What a blessing it is to be a part of a church that is mission-minded and has a heart for the nations. And as you pray with me this um, month of giving toward our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we'll be able to support people like that. And also people like I'm thinking in our church today, Hillary is here in the house. And uh, God bless you. Good to have you with us. From wonderful. From across the way there, you are here with us, and we're very grateful and happy. Got a chance to speak with her uh, this, uh, this morning. People have heroes. They have sports heroes, Hollywood heroes, and I have missionary heroes. Those are the people that I, that I admire the most. Is that right, Brother Mike? We admire them the most. So a good friend of mine, his name is uh, Jay Strack. I had the privilege of going with him a few weeks ago. Machu Picchu. Anybody ever heard of Machu Picchu? It's one of the new seven wonders of the world, beautiful place where the uh, many generations ago those people lived in the 1400s, and we were on a train to Machu Picchu there in, uh, in uh, Peru. And Jay, uh, many of you guys know him. In fact, years ago he's preached here at uh, Great Hills, and he has a fascinating story. He has a a story of much brokenness and heartache, multiple stepfathers, drug addiction, and just a really, just a really bad deal as a young boy growing up. And God did a supernatural work in Jay's life. He saved him. He changed him. And Jay is a real champion for the Lord today. And so, uh, when I was on this train with him, he was sitting across from me, and he began to tell this story. And I was literally mesmerized uh, by this story. And I was mesmerized by it so much, I've been thinking about it now for many weeks, and I've built a whole sermon around this story that he told, and it went like this. After he was converted to Christ, um, he found himself, Jay did, in a debate with a University of Florida professor. And the professor, uh, the topic of the debate had to do with the virgin birth, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Now, you and I are very familiar with that. It's a very critical component of the Christmas story that the young peasant girl Mary, maybe 14, 15 years of age, claimed that she had not known Joseph, her betrothed, her engaged-to-be husband. She had not known him sexually or intimately, and yet she was pregnant. And that University of Florida professor looked at Jay Strack and amongst a bunch of people as they were debating, he said, that's the most ludicrous thing that the modern scientific mind of man has ever heard of. Now, Jay, that would be like a young North Carolina girl, for example, coming out of the hills of North Carolina. Nobody had seen her for a long time, and she walks in out of the, out of the, uh, the, the mountains there in North Carolina, and she goes, guess what, everybody? I have been impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and I am going to have a baby. And that professor looked at Jay Strack and said, now, Jay, Nobody in their right mind would believe such a tall tale, now would they? Would you believe that, Jay Strack? He said, no. <laughs> he said, I wouldn't believe that either. But what I would do is watch the baby. I would watch the baby that she claims was impregnated to her by the Holy Spirit. Now, if that baby is born and 
a bunch of angels are singing, and that baby is born, and a bunch of miraculous things started happening, and that baby grows up to be a child, and that child is confounding and teaching people far wiser than him, and that baby grows on up to be a child, and then a young teenager, then an adult, and then as an adult, he begins to raise the dead, and he begins to heal lepers, he begins to open blinded eyes, and then he dies and rises from the dead. You know what? I would believe her after all because I've watched the baby. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to share a message with you out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at a message entitled, Watch the Child as we prepare ourselves this Advent season uh, for Christmas. So my text today is Luke chapter 2. And those of you that are helping me with the text, I want you to uh, just uh, just stay with me because we're going to be bouncing around Luke chapter 2. I wish I had uh, a couple hours this morning to go through all 40 verses, but we are going to go through Luke chapter 2 and uh, beginning, uh, for example, in verse 4. So why don't you scroll on down to verse 4. It says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth uh, into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And I want you just to underscore that with me for just a moment, that Joseph and Mary had not come together yet. They were betrothed. Now, back then, that just is a fancy word of saying they were engaged. And now they're going to make their way to the house of David. Bethlehem is going to be taxed because Quirinius, the governor, had mandated that that happen. And we're very familiar with this. We're very familiar with the, you know, with the scene and with the characters and, and what is going on. And as I was thinking about this message this week, I, I was thinking about two different groups of people who would be here today. And as many people who are not in the room today are watching us, whether it's online or whether it's on television. And, and I was thinking about those two groups of people. First of all, there's a skeptical group. And then there is a believing group. The skeptical group looks at all of this supernatural nomenclature of Christianity, of virgin births, of babies miraculously born, of children doing a, a, a amazing things in the temple there at the age of 12, confounding the wise men. And, and our whole faith is wrapped up in the supernatural, Jesus Christ doing all those things that the Bible says that he does. And many people are skeptical about that. A fancy word is they're agnostic about it, or they may even be blatantly atheistic about it. And so you may be listening today, and, and I'm so glad you are. And I want to invite you into this passage of Scripture, and I want, you to, I want you to open up your heart and open up your mind and your eyes and say, could it be true? Could it all be true of what God says uh, in the Scriptures? And then those of you that are believers... Those of you like me who have embraced this by faith, the supernatural far transcends the empirical, the scientific data. Can't touch it and feel it and see it. It's just, you know, it, it has to transcend that into the realm of faith and to the realm of hope. And so you've done that. And I commend you. And I'm, and I'm grateful to God for you because you're a person of faith. And so this message today, I hope that it encourages you and it bolsters your faith, and it would even go so far as to, for some of us, to fan back the flame that is flickering, that is maybe dying out, and, and you find yourself this Christmas season going, you know, I know it's all true, but I just want it to be true again in my life. Don't raise your hand, but is there anybody like that today in church? Anybody like that today who would say, you know, I, I know it's all true, but man, I, I just need more hope, and I need more assurance from God that all these things that He says 
are true. I'm so glad that you're here today. In fact, today we're going to look at four different characters of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And all these characters have some fascinating things to say about uh, this baby. And we're going to watch this baby. And this baby, there's so many things going on that is surrounding his life, not only in the heavens above with the angelic host and the angels singing, but also there are shepherds below, there's Mary, there's Joseph, there's a couple of older people that I want to look at today, Simeon and Anna, and I want us to bundle up all of these narratives and all of these stories and just watch the baby unfold before our eyes and watch our faith come to life and watch our faith strengthened even more. The first group are the angels. In verses 9 through 14, I'll read the angels' proclamation and their worship. So look with me if you could scroll down in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I want again in verse 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, these shepherds, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. In verse 10, I love verse 10. It's one of the 365 times in the Bible that it tells us to not be afraid. Did you know that? For every day of the year, 365 of them, there's a place in the Bible where it says, do not be afraid, do not fear. It says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. Now, here's their proclamation, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Look at this proclamation. There is born to you, you lowly shepherds, and into the entire planet Earth, there is born to you this very day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior. Now, what does a Savior do? A Savior is someone who saves, and this person will save us much more than a a physical, mental, emotional, financial, social salvation. No, it'll far transcend that. This baby born in Bethlehem will save us from our sins. He will save us spiritually. Look at the proclamation. A Savior who is Christ, the Christos, the the Messiah, the long-awaited one. As we read throughout all the years of the Old Testament, there's coming one, a, a Messiah, a Christos, a Christ, an anointed one of God who will come and rescue Israel. Not only will He rescue Israel, He will rescue the entire human race for all of those who believe in Him. And the angels are proclaiming it, and the shepherds are like, say what? I mean, we're just lowly shepherds out here keeping watch over our flock by night, and lo and behold, this angel is telling us This divine proclamation, in the city of David, there will be a Savior born who is Christ the what? What does your Bible say? Christ the the Lord, the Kyrios, the Lord, God, Lord. There's a lot wrapped up in this proclamation. He is the Lord. He is God come in the flesh. Here you have the teaching of the incarnation where the second person of the Godhead, the eternal God comes down out of the glory of heaven, and he's placed within the placenta of that peasant girl, Mary, and he is miraculously positioned there, and then eventually he is born, and he's placed in the manger, and he's placed there in that feed trough, and and all this is being spoken to these shepherds by these angels in their word of proclamation. But notice also their word of worship. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, He will be lying in a manger, a feed trough. 
And suddenly, here's the worship, there was with the angel a bunch of other angels, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and they said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward man. So you see this, this worship, divine proclamation. Angels are singing glory, glory to God, and peace, peace, peace to earth. And all of this has to do with a baby. One tiny, inconspicuous, small, I don't know, what did he weigh? Seven pounds? What did little Jewish males weigh back then? Seven pounds? Eight pounds? Let me tell you what my first baby weighed. My first baby, Hannah, came out one half of an ounce shy of 10 pounds. Big girl came out. Now, that's the only time you talk about girls being big, you know, is when they're babies. She came out big, a big, healthy, robust girl. And there was a lot of commotion going on November the 9th, 1990, 25 years ago, and we had our first baby. You know, a baby can change everything. Amen? A baby can change everything. The doctor said, now listen, Mr. Forshee, that baby's coming soon. But I've got to step out of the room because I've got to deliver another baby. I said, no, 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 don't leave me, sir. Please, don't, don't leave me. He said, no, I have to leave you. He said, but I will be right back. And when Ashley goes into another contraction, here's what I need you to do. You need to go one, two, three. And you do that, and you count to ten. She's going to be, oh, she's going to be pushing. And I'm like, when, when will you come back? He says, oh, I'll be back. No worries, no worries. So here comes, this is a true story. A massive contraction comes over Ashley, and I started to count. One, two, and I looked at the nurse, and she went, she had this, and I went, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I, that's what I did. I'm pro- I did not want that baby dropping into my lap. I wanted that doctor. And I'll tell you, it was hilarious. It was funny. It was filled with joy. You know, that's what happens when a baby enters the world. Now, if a, my baby could enter the world and change my world, how much more could God come in this world and change this world? You know, angels are worshiping. They're proclaiming. And let's look at the shepherds. Let's see what they did. They're probably my favorite people. The shepherd's excitement and announcement. Can I read with you verses 15 through 18? Thank you guys for the PowerPoint helping me out. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, man, let's go. Let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16 says, and when they came, they came with spudo, speed. That's where we get our English word, speed. Look at it. It's the word haste, S-P-E-U-D-O. A good transliteration of that into English would be, they came with speed. They didn't didn't just jog, or they didn't just meander around on the countryside there. Man, they, they ran, and they found Mary and Joseph, and they found what all of this is centered around, the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Now watch verse 18, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were, and this is the word God just really grabbed my heart this week as I studied this passage. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told. 
told, told by the shepherds. You say, why would you get so excited about one word, T-O-L-D? Verse 17, let me back up just a minute and say there's a good translation. The New Living Translation says, made widely known. A good translation is they told everybody. They told everybody what they had, watch this, what they had heard with their ears from the angels and what they had seen with their eyes. First of all, there was one angel speaking to them and aroused them from their occupation, their vocation of keeping the sheep. And then they looked up into the heavens above and there's this whole host of angels singing and praising God, and they're saying, praise be to the Lord and peace be to man. Think about that with me for just a moment. You know, I know when all is right in the world, when God is being worshiped and man is enjoying peace. When God is being worshiped and man is enjoying peace, then all is right in the world and the shepherds could not help but make haste Spudo, speed, alacrity, momentum, excitement, running toward the manger. Why? Because there was peace in their heart. Listen, when the babe is born and you believe, God gives you peace. They couldn't help but tell, they couldn't help but speak the word about the baby Jesus. And I thought about me and I thought about living in Austin, Texas and how that's what God wants me to do. I, I'm, a, I'm a shepherd, if you will. I'm a shepherd of sheep, of people, and, and it's my responsibility and joy and privilege to speak and to tell everybody I, I meet about Jesus. And, and, and you know, it's such a joy to see so many of you doing the same thing. Just last week as we were uh, greeting guests there in the reception line, there was uh, Kate, Kate McDonald came up to us and she said, I want you to meet a friend of mine at work. We've been having faith talks and I just wanted you to meet her. And I thought, you know, th- there are a few things that just absolutely excite me more than, probably more than anything else as a pastor. It's when you do stuff like that. When you actually live your faith and share your faith out in the marketplace of this world and you engage people that maybe don't have a church, or maybe they're far from God, or maybe they just need a little bit of encouragement, and you tell, like the shepherds, you told them, and then you, then you bring them. I'm currently in a, a men's discipleship group. I've been in one since 1991, uh, when I was a, a pastor in Keller, Texas. Since 1991 till today, whatever it is, 2015, most of my life, I have been in a small group with men for accountability and discipleship and mentoring. And I know I'm the pastor and I kind of take on that role of being the mentor and the discipler and so forth, but I guarantee, and this is no exception, the guys that are in my group right now, all six of us at 7 a.m. on Thursday mornings, we, we hold each other accountable about how we are treating our wives and how work is going and how we're treating our physical bodies and how our witness is going and, and, our, and our worship and walk with God. And one of them, I'm not going to mention any names, but I think this is just really funny. He, he's in this group and he says recently, he says, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to make it in this group because we're all supposed to be witnessing and I'm a little bit shy, a little bit reticent, you know, and I'm just not one of those just to go up and boldly witness to somebody. And over the last two weeks, he's the one coming to the room and going, man, I gave a track out to that person. I invited that person. They came to church. I said, well, so much 
for not being in this group. Brother, you were in this group. Now, I just want y'all to know something. You, you just don't know what that does to a pastor. Everybody expects me to do it, but when you do it, that's when Great Hills comes alive. That's when the church begins to grow. That's when the seats, all these vacant seats, you look around today, that's when they start to fill up. Because, man, I invite them. I talk to people all the time. They roll their eyes, go, well, that's what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, yeah, but that's what I do. But when you do that, like these, she- listen, these shepherds did it. They saw it. They existentially, man, they, they experienced and they made haste and they ran and they told everybody. And so that's what I've called point number two, shepherds' excitement and their announcement. Number three, Simeon. Let's go to Simeon's song of praise and prophecy. If you'll pick up in verse 25, I I love this. It says, and behold, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, and he waited for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel, by the way, is a rabbinic description of the Messianic age. Let me say that again. The consolation of Israel is a rabbinic way of saying the Messiah has come. And Simeon, up in age, is waiting, waiting for the advent of the Messiah. He's waiting for the Messianic kingdom. He, he knows the Old Testament. He's heard and he's seen and he's, he's experienced by the Holy Spirit, Isaiah and Haggai and Micah and all these prophets saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And so here he is, he's waiting on the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit is upon this old man. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, verse 26 of Luke chapter 2, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. Now they're no longer in Bethlehem, okay? So you've got to fast forward a little bit. They are in the temple in Jerusalem. And the parents, being Mary and Joseph, brought the child, being Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law. And if you want to know what that is, look up in verses 23 and 24, and also there would be some shekels paid for priestly uh, service. In fact, let me read this. It says, the custom of the law required that in the case of the firstborn there was a payment of five shekels for redemption from priestly service which could be paid after the first month of the child's life. So you got to fast forward a few weeks into the babe's life of Jesus. So they're in the temple, okay? And he took him up in his arms, and Simeon blessed God, and he said, now, I don't know about you, but when I'm holding my baby, I don't want no strange person coming up and grabbing my baby out of my arms and holding it up to heaven and preaching and, and singing or whatever Simeon did, but that's what happened. Now, the babe is still young. He's still, he's still light. I don't know, was he 10 pounds now? And he, and maybe less. And, and Simeon sees him, and the Holy Spirit reveals to Simeon, the aged man, and says, that's him. That's him. The Holy Spirit says, grab him and lift him up. And he did, and he said, Lord, now. And this is known as Simeon's song, the Nunt Demetus in Latin, which means now let you depart. Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Look at verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, 
a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. Look at verse 33. That's the that's Simeon's song of praise, but watch this transition of this word of prophecy here. It says, and Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of their babe, of, of Jesus. And verse 34 says, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. Now, he becomes a prophet. Now, the Holy Spirit is upon him. He's going to speak a prophetic word to the child's parents, Okay. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. It's just fascinating to me that this elderly man, spirit-filled man in the temple recognizes Jesus. And Simeon's song of praise, I mean, he, he has a sense of euphoria. I mean, he's, he's elated. He's, he's, he's just bubbling over with, with joy. And by the way, babe, a baby will do that. And especially this kind of baby will do that. It'll, it'll make old men and old women just a little bit giddy, if you will, and just a little bit excited. And, and he's holding this baby up, and he's, and he's singing a song of praise to God. I imagine Mary and Joseph are going, that guy's lost his mind. He's got our baby in his hands. What is he doing? And then they just kind of are quiet, and they watch him. And then he looks at Mary, and he looks at Joseph, and he says, and this baby is destined for the rising and the falling of many. Many are going to believe on him, and many are going to hate him. And Mary, your very heart and soul are going to be pierced through like a sword. And sure enough, she was. When she saw her son bleeding and dying a horrible death there at Calvary's cross, I wonder if that moment when Jesus was dying, when she was thinking back to that man, Simeon, aged man in the temple who said, I'm telling you, I'm prophesying that this day is coming. And fast forward to 2015. I, I thought about this prophecy being fulfilled in the days after December the 2nd, where these jihadists go in and they, they kill, they, they just senselessly murder these people in San Bernardino, California. And then the daily news of New York City after that, do you remember seeing this? I don't know if you're on Twitter or if, you, if you're watching the news, and, and on, on bold face it says, God, God's not helping with this. God. God's not solving this. And little captions all the way around were presidential hopefuls saying, we're so sorry and we're praying for you, the people of California. And the New York, the Daily Times, they said, the Daily News said, God's not in this. God's not helping with this. And, and you could just sense the venom, the vitriol, the hatred for God. So what I did is I looked up every one of those men who said, we are praying for you, California. And I even did a little more research than that. I went and looked at every one of them and asked myself, which God were they praying to? Come by we've got lots of gods. I mean, come on, India has 330 million gods and goddesses. Uh, and Buddha is a, you know, is a god to many. Confucius is a god to many. Joseph Smith's created his own Jesus and God. And of course, Islam has their own god. But every one of those claimed that Jesus is their god. And they said, God is not helping. And I thought about Simeon. He predicted this many, many years ago that this guy, the Christ child, would be spoken against, would be ridiculed and hated. 
And man was Simeon a prophet. That's what we see even in our own day. Some to the rising and blessing of some and to the fall and destruction of others. And then finally this morning, I'm looking forward to talking to you a little bit about Anna. She's the last character here in our passage of Scripture. I've entitled her part of time of thanksgiving and testimony. Do you have just a couple minutes more and want to look at verse 36 through 38? Let's do it. Now there was one Hannah, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. You know how old this lady was? Let me go ahead and tell you. 105. I don't know what y'all think about that. I think that's old. I think if you ever reach to be 105, you classify as old. You say, how did you do the math on that, Brother Danny? Well, here it is. She was of a great age. She had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity, okay? So let's say she got married at age 14, which was very common. That's probably how old Mary was. And so she lived with her husband for seven years from her virginity. 14 plus 7 is what? Y'all help me. 21. And then Luke records that she had lived another 84 years. So 84 plus 21, she's 105 years of age. And she's been a widow now for 84 of those years. And this woman of a widow of 84 years who did not depart from the temple and she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She came in that instant. She sees this baby, okay? She gave thanks to the Lord and she spoke of him in the temple, right? In the temple, she sees the babe and she says to all of those who are looking for the redemption in Jerusalem, here he is. Wow. I love this lady. 105 years of age. And and she's waiting on the Lord and she's serving God with fastings and prayers night and day. Now, there's a little hyperbole here, okay? You know what hyperbole is, right? It's It's... It's justified exaggeration, okay? She doesn't live in the temple. They wouldn't let women live in the temple. But if you're somebody that you just so love God and every time, every time the doors are open and you're in like Judy Stone, for example, every time we have a worship service, Judy, who is a widow who loves Jesus, she's not 105, amen, but she's a widow who loves Jesus. I would say, Judy, you're, you're here all the time. Now, she doesn't have a cot underneath the pew right there, but you know what? It's just a nomenclature. It's just an exaggeration of saying, Anna was there all the time, and she'd been looking for the Messiah. And when she finally saw him, this is not what she said. What in the world took you so long? You know, they tell me when you get older, you get a little more impatient, and you get a little ornery in your old age. Have y'all seen that, uh, that commercial, that Jimmy John's commercial? That's the, most, that's the funniest commercial I think I've ever seen. It's, this fellow's sitting in his chair, and he, he looks like he's about 105 years of age, and he picks up the phone, and he calls, Jimmy John's, bring me some sandwiches. And within a nanosecond, the guy shows up with a bunch of sandwiches. And you know what was the first thing out of his mouth? What took you so long? I just think that's so funny. I, I, I do. I just think it's hilarious. What, what, he's just so angry. He's got that look on him. What, what took you so long? And Simeon and Anna are just the opposite of that. They've gotten old, but they've aged gracefully. And and there she is. She's got this joy about her. She's got this Jesus loving in her. And she sees him, the babe, and, and she just starts praising God. And then she starts talking to everybody. 
She says, for all of you who are looking to be redeemed, the Redeemer has come. And there He is, that little baby. There's a lot going on in this passage of Scripture. There's a lot of characters that we've looked at this morning. There is the babe. There are the parents. Joseph, probably 18. Mary's probably 14. Shepherds, ah, what do you think? I think they're probably 30, 40 years of age. Simeon, I don't know, but he's old. Anna, I do know she's old, 105. And then there's the babe. And he's new and young, but he's ageless. He's always existed as the second person of the Godhead, but now he is born in Judea in Bethlehem, and there's all this commotion. There are angels singing. There's old people jumping up and down. There are shepherds running and shouting, and man, there's all this activity, and man, bless you. Somebody gave me a Christmas card this morning, and I opened it up, and I, and I looked at it, and, and my sermon was there. It was, has a little depiction of an angelic choir singing, and it's beaming down on these shepherds who are looking up, and then it goes over to the next page, and there's a feed trough, and there's a baby there, and there's a Mary, and there's Joseph, and, and they're smiling, and they're looking, and they're in a stall. I mean, really, they, they're literally in a feeding trough and a stall, a place where they kept animals. And, and I just looked at that this morning, and I just smiled, because all of this commotion, all of this excitement, it's about a baby, one little baby. Watch the baby. Please don't miss him this Christmas season. Watch him. Watch for him. Watch for him in the twinkling of an eye of a little child. Watch for him. Is he speaking to you through someone who needs you, who, who's reaching out for your help? Watch for him. People are giving gifts, and there's joy around the table, and people are laughing, and people are opening presents, and, and man, you got a few extra days off of work. Hallelujah. Watch for him, because you know what he makes? He makes all of this possible. So would you join me in a word of prayer as we have our invitation this morning? With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, we're going to have a time where we invite you to watch the baby and watch him come into childhood, watch him come into his teenage years, his adulthood. And that same baby was born in a cradle eventually dies on a cross. He dies for the sins of the world, and Anna was right. She was so right that He is the Redeemer for all the redemption of the world is tied up in this one human life, this God-man. Watch Him. Watch the baby. Watch the baby grow. Watch Him die now as a, as a man, the Son of Man. And watch Him redeem all of those who believe and who will call upon Him in faith. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, I submit to you the only hope for our dark world is this baby. All the politics, all the strategies, all the presidential pundits, all the wealth, all the commotion in this world, it's dark. But when he enters the room, he changes everything. He brings light. He brings hope. He brings redemption. If you're here today and you've not met this Christ child, if you've never embraced him by faith, would you do that today? Would you ask him? 
to forgive you of your sins and, and by faith say, Lord, I believe. I, I believe like the shepherds believed. I believe like Mary believed. I, I believe like Anna and Simeon. And Lord, I believe in you and I trust in you that all that is good and all that is right and all that is peaceful in this world, it's because of you. And by faith, I trust you as my Savior and my Lord. Would you do that today? Friend, would you do that? Would you accept him? Believe on Him. Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian, a follower of Christ, and you just needed a reminder today that what Christmas really is about is about this baby and the joy and the peace He brings to our broken world. So, I don't know about you, but I've, I, my, my life's been changed by this message today. It's a message of hope. It's a message of peace. It's a gentle reminder that God is still on the throne and And just like He intervened and acted in their lives, He's acting and He's intervening in our lives today. And why? It's because we, we believe. So, Father, thank You today for being with us. Bless our invitation. As we stand in a moment, Lord, as we sing Your praise, we pray, God, You'd draw people to Yourself to a point of repentance and faith, to a place, Lord, where people would say, I'm ready. I I, I give You my life, and I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. And Lord, I pray that would happen even at this very moment. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing the invitation song?